This morning's scripture is from Revelation 19 and 21. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose riders called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of King, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate you sharing our scripture reading today. And as we have our service and our message time, it may not be the traditional scripture passage that you would have leading into the Easter morning worship service, but it does all tie in together. We wrap up the little sermon series that we started clear back on Ash Wednesday with the seven seas of history. I just want to recap. Uh, that was creation, corruption, catastrophe, confusion, Christ, the cross, and now consummation. Yes, today, Resurrection Sunday is the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. Jesus, the final sacrifice for all sin. Jesus lives. Jesus is our Savior. The eternal plan of God's salvation is unfolding, and we are part of it. 
God's plan to rescue you and me from our sins, from our sins, is now in place. Now we have the opportunity to say, yes, Lord, or no thanks. And that's up to us. That's up to you. And as we have looked at the seven seas of history, and I shared, you looked into this more there at the Answers in Genesis, there at the Creation Museum. Uh, they go in a lot more detail for each and every one, but as we looked at consummation today, so what is consummation? What does that mean, and how is it a part of the gospel message? Well, it comes from the word consummate, which means to arrive at completion, a fulfillment, or even at perfection. And isn't that where God wants us to be? And we can only be there through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. John Wesley called it moving on to perfection. Because we know that we got to be moving on. We can't keep looking back. We can't sit still. We can't hold steady. There's time for spiritual growth, and it is now. So the book of Revelation reveals to us what we need to know. It reveals to the reader the conclusion of life as we know it now. The book of Revelation is a real historical context, believed to be written by the Apostle John around A.D. 95. This makes the book of Revelation the last, the last book of the Bible written. The book deals with the problems and persecution of the Christian churches who were beginning to experience nothing more than what we've experienced today and will continue to experience until Christ comes again. False teaching and immorality of its time. That shouldn't be news to us because we're living in that same time frame right now. As the book of Revelation contains this teaching and is relevant to every generation, if you look at chapters 12 and 13, it describes the deceptions of our enemy, the deceptions of God's enemy. His name is Satan, and he is our spiritual enemy, and the dangers are described about following the wrong leaders. But also, as it says in chapter 19, Christ's power, Jesus' power over all his enemies is the truth the absolute truth of God's word, and the truth that all believers need to cling to, and the truth that we must trust. The book of Revelation reveals what will happen. This world will not go on forever. Good and evil will continue to battle, and there will be a final. There will be a final once and for all. Period. Satan and the enemy and his evil demonic followers and all other followers of Satan. All those unbelieving, God-hating men, God-hating women, they will try to rise up. But we read in chapters 21 and 22 that God will step in and God will gather the faithful followers and the believers of his one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And at that time, the world will truly be remade. It will no longer be the same. 
And what does this mean for us men, women, girls, and boys? It means that we have a destination. It means that your individual life, it means that your choices, the things that you decide to do today and the way you decide to live each and every day matters. And it will matter for all of eternity. That's a heavy load, isn't it? That's a lot of responsibility. But do you even care? Does the world care? I know the world doesn't care because we're living in a world that doesn't care about much other than satisfaction for the moment. But what about for us, for you and I, with our hope and with our trust in Jesus Christ, what lies ahead for us? The greatest, the greatest, happiest ending ever. The one and only happy ending. Ending up finishing the race, entering the kingdom of heaven with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If you remember any of your Bible readings or lessons from Acts chapter 2, you remember that great day when the Holy Spirit, that day of Pentecost, came and fell upon the people and filled them. And they were new people by the thousands. By the thousands, they came to Jesus. We read in Revelation 19, we read how the power of God's word is what? What is God's word? God's word being his son, Jesus Christ, is faithful and true and righteous. Jesus will come again. And when he comes again, he will be the judge. Jesus will make war, a final war against evil, the enemy, Satan, and his followers. The glorified Christ. Scripture tells us his eyes will be like flaming fire. Christ our Savior will have many crowns, and out of his mouth will come God's almighty words. The words will come out of his mouth like the two-edged sword, that should not be news to us either. Have you not heard? Have you not read? Hebrews 4.12 where it says, For the word of God is a living, living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And it penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, to the joints and to the marrow. It judges the thoughts the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. After the word cuts and penetrates, Christ will rule with an iron rod, fulfilling the Masonic prophecies of the Old Testament, Psalm 2.9, for example. So when it says, you, meaning Lord, will rule them with an iron scepter, you will dash them to pieces like pottery. Isaiah 11.4, where it says, that last part of the verse meaning he, meaning Christ, will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Those things are yet to come. The wrath of God will be like that of a wine press. And after the grapes are pressed 
like apples after the apple press. The grapes are no longer grapes and the apples are no longer apples. There is nothing left that is recognizable. Nothing because why? He, our risen Savior, is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he will come again. Coming down out of heaven to bring an end to the things as as we know them. To bring an end to all wickedness, hate, and sin. The consummation of Satan, the beast, and his demons, and all his followers will one day be destroyed. Completion, making the way for chapter 21 to be fulfilled. What did it say? A new creation, a new heaven, and a new earth. All things will be new. The believers will have heavenly bodies, and we will be blessed by God. Tears and pain and death will be gone. Living for and living with Christ in the new creation will be without cost. Without cost. It costs us something right now today to live on this earth and to live for Christ. Amen. It costs us. But the day's coming where there will be no more cost. It will be a glorious day. The consummation of the gospel of Revelation 21.6 where it says, He said, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give drink without cost from the spring of water of life. Think about your life right now here on earth. I have the opportunity before service to sit down with Miriam Cochran, sit down and ask her about her childhood, family and parents, about her life, getting to know Ed, going to college, completing their college, then getting married, moving their first home in on their family's farm, going to church here all these years, embracing her nieces and nephews. Think about your life. Your life is full of consummation moments as well. Many moments, graduation, childbearing, child-raising, retirement, working beyond and beyond each day, burning the candle at both out, both ends. But until the Lord says it is done, we are the church. You and I are the church. We are to be growing, and we are to be active, and we are to be changing physically and spiritually in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Every time that I've been appointed to each and every church here in the East Ohio Conference, the bishop sends out a letter, and it calls that ministry setting an outpost. An outpost of the ministry of Jesus Christ is what it says. And each and every time the DS meets with me, and we go over the process, we meet the church, and we meet the situation, and they say, the expectation is that the church will grow under your leadership as the spiritual leader. 
Every time, that's what they say. Every time, that's what they expect. And that's what they pray for. Yes, as a spiritual leader, and as a spiritual leader, it does trump, trump all other roles in the church. The responsibility of the spiritual leader is to lead. Lead in the valley. Lead on the way up the hill. Lead going across the hilltop. Lead in the joy of baptisms and new life and communion, new membership. And lead when it hurts. Lead when it hurts. And when it hurts, when it hurts to let go, when it hurts to let God, when it hurts to hold one another accountable, when it hurts to say no, and when it, when it hurts to say not now, or when it hurts to say that's not in Christ. Those are things the spiritual leader has to discern. So until you and I run out of life, we run out of breath, we run out of energy, we'll go and pray. We will pray for the Holy Spirit to lead us and grow us. Even when the growing pains are painful, and sometimes they even hurt. So today, the consummation is not complete other than our Savior lives. We have a job to do. We have work to do. But yet, our prayers can also be, Lord, come and get us when you are ready and when our work is done. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, I thank you for all that you revealed to us over these last seven or eight weeks studying these seas of creation, seas of history, and how it covers the scriptures from beginning to end. And Lord, I know your work is not done here today. It's not done in this church. It's not done in me. It's not done in any individual that is here. But Lord, I pray and I invite you to continue the good work. Continue the good work in us that we may continue your holy work. That we may continue as your hands and feet and as your mouthpiece. And all that we do and say to one or to many, Lord, it will be for the glory of heaven for others to come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. So, Lord... Thank you for being our Lord and Savior.